0: We turn in the Holy Scriptures this morning to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33. The text we consider is part of our Advent series as we look forward to Christmas Day and our commemoration of the birth of our Savior but it also serves the occasion of the installation of our elder this morning. Jeremiah 33. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city, and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with the dead bodies of men. Whom I have slain in mine anger and in my fury, and for all those wickedness, all whose wickedness I have hid my face from this city. Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them, and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Thus saith the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place, which ye say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Again in this place, which is desolate without man and without beast, and in all the cities thereof shall be an habitation of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down. In the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the vale, and in the cities of the south, and in the land of Benjamin, and in the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah shall the flocks pass again under the hands of him that telleth them, saith the Lord. Behold, The days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Neither shall the priests, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings, and to kindle meat offerings, and to do sacrifice continually. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day, and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Considerest thou not what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord hath chosen he hath even cast them off? Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, And if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. We read the word of God that far. I call your attention especially to verses 15 and 16 of the chapter. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, by the time Jeremiah wrote the prophecy of our text, the house of David had completely and thoroughly forsaken the Lord and led the people astray into idolatry and become ripe for the judgment of captivity. Those were the days of Jeremiah. About a century before the days of Jeremiah, back in the days of Isaiah, we have seen that already then, the wicked king Ahaz ruled over Judah, and he forsook the Lord and worshiped idols, and caused his sons to pass through the fire to idol gods, and led the people astray into all idolatry. After Ahaz died, his son Hezekiah came to the throne of the house of David. And Hezekiah was a God fearing king who brought reformation into the land. But after his reign, his son Manasseh ruled for 50 years plus and he did so much evil in the land and led the people to do such great evil that the Lord announced in the days of Manasseh that he would judge the land of Judah and he would deliver them into the hands of their enemies. And yet even after Manasseh died, Another king rose up named Josiah, who brought reformation again and led the people back to God. But it was short lived. It was in the days of Josiah that Jeremiah began his ministry. When Josiah died, Jeremiah lamented greatly. And the last four kings to reign after Josiah were all wicked. They all forsook the Lord, they all worshipped idols, and they all led the people astray into all kinds of sin. They disregarded the words of the prophets, and they became ripe for judgment. It was in those evil and dark days, the last days of the kingdom and the house of David, that God raised up Jeremiah to prophesy. And the great message that Jeremiah had to bring to the Jews in Jerusalem and in Judah was judgment is coming. Judgment for your sin. Judgment for your apostasy. Judgment for your idolatry. Babylon is coming. A nation from the north. And it's going to destroy you and bring you away into captivity for 70 years for your sins. When Jeremiah... Wrote the prophecy of our text, it was the last year. It was the very end. The last king was sitting on the throne, the earthly throne of David. His name was Zedekiah. It was in the days of Zedekiah that Jeremiah wrote the prophecy of our text. Zedekiah reigned for 11 years, and it was in the last year of his reign. That Jeremiah wrote the words of our text. In other words, it was at the very end of the kingdom of Judah, the earthly kingdom. It was the eve of the fall of Jerusalem, the burning of the temple, the end of the earthly line of David, when Jeremiah wrote these words. And what we find is that in this section of the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 through 33, are found some of the most glorious, beautiful, comforting, and hopeful promises in all of the scriptures. We find in this section of Jeremiah that God promises to his people in those dark days... That he will bring them back from captivity. That he will restore them to the land of promise. That he will bring again a time of joy and rejoicing and gladness. That he will again fill the streets of Jerusalem and the streets of the towns of Judah with laughing and dancing and celebrating. That he will forgive their sins and pardon their iniquities. And above all, that he will establish with them a new covenant and dwell with them more intimately than ever before because he will raise up a branch of righteousness unto David. He will raise up the Messiah. In Jeremiah 23, we find a very similar prophecy as that in our text. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. This glorious prophecy of the coming king, the coming Messiah, the branch of righteousness, also has application today on the occasion of the installation of an elder in our church. Because the office of elder is the kingly office in the church. And we're going to see then that elders are called to be kings, laboring in service to the great king. I call your attention to a branch of righteousness promised to Judah. First of all, a kingly branch. Secondly, a righteous branch. And finally, a saving branch. In those dark and evil days, at the very end of the kingdom of Judah, on the eve of the fall of Jerusalem, God said to his people through Jeremiah, I will raise up A branch of righteousness unto David. I will raise up a king to execute judgment and righteousness in the land. What a comforting promise that must have filled the true believers in those dark days with hope as they looked forward into the future. Notice two things about this promise of the branch. Of righteousness. First of all, God was promising to his people through Jeremiah to give to them a king. This was a promise of a king. And a king from the very house and lineage of David that was about to come to its end, that was about to fall, that was about to go into captivity. Because it had become thoroughly apostate and corrupt. God was promising to raise up a king from that house of David. God had promised to David, as we have already seen in a past sermon, that he would establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And there would always be a son of David to sit and reign on the throne God gave that promise to David, the son of Jesse, from the little town of Bethlehem in the great and royal tribe of Judah. We saw that through the prophet Isaiah. God clarified and enhanced and advanced that promise when he said that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he will reign in the house of of David, his father, forever, a prophecy of the coming Messiah. Now, in the last days of the kingdom of Judah, God raised up Jeremiah not only to bring, to bring the prophecy of judgment, but also to bring the promise of the Messiah. I will raise up a branch of righteousness, I will raise up a king from the house of David, a Messiah will come at last. God reveals through these repeated prophecies and confirmations of his original prophecy that he is faithful, that he is unswerving, that he is consistent in all of his promises. He does not forget what he has promised. He will do it. And he wants to emphasize that. Notice in verse 17, For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne, of the house of Israel. Verse 20, Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day, and my covenant of the night, and that there should be not day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne. God was saying, I have made a covenant with the day and a covenant with the night. That there should always be day and there should always be night. And if I should break that covenant, then will I break my covenant with David. In other words, I will never break that covenant. I will never break my promise. I will fulfill my promise. I will raise up a branch unto David. That, first of all, this is a promise of a messianic king. In the second place, we must notice again that the promise is to raise up a king who goes by the term branch. A branch I will raise up. And although the word for branch in our text is not the same Hebrew word as we considered in Hebrews 11 or Isaiah 11 verse 1, nevertheless, it's a synonym of that word. It means a sprout. It means a shoot. A tender branch will rise up and will grow out of the house and in the line of David. God repeats that prophecy. He said that first through Isaiah, as we saw in the dark days of his ministry I will cause a little tender sprout to shoot up in the stump of Jesse. Now he repeats it in the darker days of Jeremiah. I will raise up that branch, that sprout, that tender shoot. It will come. It will rise up in the house of David. So what we see in the prophecy of the Messiah is that on the one hand, God promises that the Messiah to come will be none other than the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Jehovah himself. In the earlier prophecy in Jeremiah 23, verse 6, God said that when the branch comes, his name will be Jehovah, our righteousness. Now in our text, we see that Jerusalem bears the name Jehovah, our righteousness, which we will consider in a moment. But the branch himself bears the name Jehovah, our righteousness. The Messiah will be the mighty God Jehovah who will come down from heaven into human flesh. But on the other hand, God repeatedly reveals that the Messiah will be a little, tender, lowly sprout, a branch that will grow up out of david this king who is coming will not be a king who is glorious in the sense that david was glorious with earthly splendor and power and riches he will be a lowly king a humble king weak and despised by all human standards a branch he said it through isaiah He said it through Jeremiah. He will say it once more after the return from captivity through Zechariah. Zechariah 3 verse 8. Behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. And in Zechariah 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh Unto thee he is just, and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. This was the prophecy. I will raise up a king who will be a branch. In those days, God said through Jeremiah, In those days that are yet to come, in those future days after the captivity, after the return, I will do this. And God fulfilled his prophecy. It was in those days that God caused a branch to sprout in the womb of a virgin who was from the house of David. And when the father of John the Baptist heard the glad tidings that the branch had been conceived in the womb of Mary, his soul was overwhelmed with joy, and he sang this song, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Luke 1, verses 68 through 70. Jehovah God himself fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah by coming down from heaven and joining himself to human nature in the womb of the Virgin Mary in the line of David. He became a man, to fulfill the prophecy of our text. But not just any man. He became a man in the line of David. A man-child who had the right to the throne of his father David. This man, this child, was God in the flesh, the long-awaited King and Messiah of the Jews. Jehovah fulfilled the prophecy of the text, by becoming a tender branch, a lowly sprout. The great and mighty God became a man. The great and mighty God became a child, a baby, a little poor baby, born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, wrapped in rags, no room in the inn, destined to live and to walk a lowly life and a lowly path of poverty, of being despised and rejected of men. Jesus is the branch of righteousness. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who lived a lowly, humble life of poverty and shame. And at the very end, got onto the colt, the foal of an ass, a little donkey, not a great stallion, and rode into Zion, rode into Jerusalem on that baby ass, a lowly king, a branch a little tender sprout. And he rode all the way to the shameful death of the cross as our lowly king. And when he stood before Pontius Pilate and was asked, are you then a king? He said in John 18, verse 37, to that end was I born. And for that cause, I came into the world. Jesus is the branch of righteousness. Jesus, having died on the cross, arose from the dead and ascended into heaven and was exalted to the right hand of God, the lowly king, now a glorious king, clothed in majesty and given power and authority and splendor to reign over all the universe. And now Jesus is King, King of the Church, King of Wingham Protestant Reformed Church, too. As the King of our Church, the branch of righteousness rules over us. He rules over us, especially through the elders. He gives us elders to rule on his behalf over us, his people, throughout this present age. He gives us elders as a gift, clothing them and equipping them with the gifts of government, of rule, of wisdom, of oversight, so that, being clothed with the graces that they need, They are called and installed into office. He rules through elders. And what a cause we have for thanksgiving to God and to the branch of righteousness when he gives us good and faithful elders. Good and faithful elders are those who rule in the church in the same way that Jesus rules who behave in the church the same way that Jesus behaved. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man, the branch of righteousness, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What a cause for thanksgiving when the branch gives to us elders who have the gift of government but who govern as lowly servants who know themselves to be little lowly sprouts just like the king himself. Elders who do not take office out of a lust for power, who do not lord over the flock, who do not use their office to boost their egos or to bully the sheep or to fulfill their selfish ambitions, but who have the mind of Christ, the lowly, humble servant's mind of the branch, who was meek and lowly and rode on the foal of an ass into Jerusalem, who give themselves in lowliness of mind To serve and not to be served, to give and not to be given unto, to feed and not to be fed, to give themselves, even as the branch gave his life a ransom on the cross. We have such reason for thanksgiving. We have such elders. Let us see furthermore that in the text, God promised through Jeremiah to raise up a branch of righteousness, a righteous branch, and that he would execute righteousness in the land so that Jerusalem would be called the Lord, our righteousness. Do you see how gracious of a promise that is? How merciful is the Lord to his people? Just consider the days in which Jeremiah lived. Consider the kings who sat on the throne in those days. They were not men who knew themselves to be lowly, who knew themselves to be shepherds, who were to serve the flock. They were selfish men who took advantage of their authority and power, who led the people astray And the people were led astray into all kinds of wickedness and idolatry. Those were the days. Jeremiah has just spoken of that again in chapter 32, the chapter just before our text. Chapter 32, verse 30. The children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. For this city, Jerusalem, hath been to me as a provocation of mine anger and of my fury from this day that they built it even unto this day that I should remove it from before my face because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah which they have done to provoke me to anger. They and their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned unto me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to my instruction, but they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. As they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Those were the days. Dark, evil, corrupt, apostate. And are we any better than they? They? Have we not also done evil against the Lord from our youth? Have we not turned our backs to him and not our faces and refused to hearken to his instruction though he rose up early to teach us? Have we not built up our altars to Baal? Have we not served our idols? Do we not deserve what Jerusalem was about to receive? As the Babylonians were practically on the doorstep of Jerusalem, waiting to invade the city, to destroy it, to burn it, and to carry them into captivity. That's what we deserve. But the Lord raised up Jeremiah with this promise of our text. I will raise up a branch of righteousness to grow unto David to execute righteousness in the land so that Jerusalem may be called by this name, the Lord, our righteousness. Gracious promise. It was a promise to send a Messiah to be righteousness to us who have no righteousness in ourselves. A branch of righteousness. And this branch would himself bear the name Jehovah, our righteousness. Jehovah is righteous. Perfectly righteous. Always righteous. And only righteous. And Jehovah says, I will come down and I will be your righteousness. I will come into human nature, and I will be righteous for you. He was promising that the branch, when he comes into the world, would be righteous in his very nature, unlike us, unlike the kings, unlike the people in those days, unlike all the children of Adam and Eve who are born into this world unrighteous, he would be righteous. The one and only man who is righteous is the branch. And this branch would work righteousness in his life. He would execute righteousness. He would obey all the commandments of God perfectly with all of his heart and soul and mind and strength, unlike the kings of those days who did all abominations imaginable. And this branch who would not only be righteous in his nature, who would not only work righteousness in his life, would work righteousness in his death. The kings of those days were so selfish. They were so wrapped up in their own desires, their own plans. They couldn't even conceive of the idea of laying down their lives for the people. But the branch, he will work righteousness in his death. As Isaiah prophesied a hundred years before. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God is saying through Jeremiah, I will take all your unrighteousnesses and I will lay them on the branch and he will work righteousness in his death. He will suffer the death that you deserved. He will suffer the wrath that you deserved. He will suffer the punishment of everlasting death in your place. And God fulfilled this prophecy in Jesus Jesus, the perfectly righteous one, the righteous babe born in Bethlehem, without any spot or any stain on his nature, the righteous child, the righteous boy who grew up in Nazareth, the righteous man who kept the commandments perfectly in every respect, the righteous branch who on the cross took upon his shoulders all your unrighteousness and all mine. And there on the cross bore, bore those iniquities and suffered for those unrighteousnesses as he was unrighteously condemned by Pilate with the miserable death of the cross. He righteously satisfied the judgment of God against us. Jesus is Jehovah, our righteousness. He is our righteousness. Look to Jesus for your righteousness. There is no other righteousness for you or for me. Look to Jesus. Believe in him. Go to him. Embrace him. Hold on to him. He is your righteousness and he is my righteousness. And those who embrace the branch of righteousness by faith, they also can bear the name Jehovah, our righteousness. Because that name is our confession. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is my righteousness and no one else. It's because of the branch that the Lord could prophesy through Jeremiah in our chapter, verse 8. In those days... I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. Gracious promise. A branch of righteousness. A Messiah who, furthermore, will execute judgment. Having justified us at the cross and risen from the dead and ascended into glory, he executes judgment in the land, in the church. What a comforting promise that must have been as well. Because the people of God in Jerusalem, all they saw from generation to generation, except for Hezekiah and Josiah, were ungodly kings who could do nothing but execute unjust judgment. Who oppressed the poor and the widows and the orphans and the vulnerable and took advantage of the people and used them to enrich themselves and boost up their egos and their power. That's all those kings could do. And now God says, I will cause a righteous branch to come to execute judgment, just judgment. That's what Jesus does now. As he sits at the right hand of God, he sends into his church faithful elders. The work of elders as kings under our king is also to judge. They are to judge as Jesus judges. They are not to judge according to their own whim and fancy and certainly not according to what is most pleasing or what will serve them best but they are to judge justly. I remember once talking to one of my professors in seminary, asking him some questions about church polity, church government, and I never forgot what he said to me. Don't play politics in the church, but whatever you do, judge justly. What you care about is truth and righteousness. That's the calling of elders, because that's what the branch does. He executes just judgment in the church, and he raises up elders with the mind of Christ to execute just judgment in the church. That means that the elders who labor in the word and doctrine, the ministers, preach righteousness. The ministers preach the unrighteousness of the people and the righteousness of God. And the calling as those who have been righteous by faith in Christ to live righteously. That's the calling of the preacher, to preach that, to preach righteousness. To call the people of God to live a righteous life of gratitude. And the calling of elders, as we saw in the reading of the form earlier, is to carry out righteousness and justice in their judgments in the church. As lowly servants, as humble kings, they are to execute judgment. They are not to tolerate wickedness in the church. They are not to wink at evil. They are to oversee our lives. They are to supervise us. And when they see sin, they are gently to admonish us. And when they see stubborn impenitence, they are to boldly confront us and tell us that's wrong. That's wrong. And when they deal with long-time impenitence, they are to bar from the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are to guard the table of the Lord's Supper so that they admit to the Supper those who profess faith in Jesus, the branch of righteousness. Those who believe in him and profess him must be admitted to the Supper. Those who do not must be barred. And those who profess him but who live impenitently in sin must not be admitted to the supper either, because elders must do justice and righteousness in the land. The prophet Micah said that as well in chapter 6, verse 8 that we are to do justly and to walk humbly with our God. The promise was to raise up a branch to execute judgment. And ultimately, Jesus will do that when he comes again. Because in this life, there is much injustice. But on that great day of days, he will judge the living and the dead in perfect righteousness. And although we are unrighteous in ourselves, he will judge us righteous through his blood. Finally, we notice that it's a promise to raise up a saving Branch, a branch who will save us. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. What a comforting promise in those evil days. In the days when the Jews first read this promise, when they looked around, all that they could see was no salvation and no safety. The inhabitants of Jerusalem lived in constant fear of the Babylonian army just out there, soon to surround the walls, to sack the city, to burn it down. Where is salvation? Where is safety? They were about to be carried away into captivity, to be exiles in a strange land where they must suffer far from home. As slaves and prisoners for 70 years, for their grievous sins against the Lord. But the Lord comforts his people in those days. Through Jeremiah, when the branch comes, Judah shall be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. God promises bright and beautiful days for his people. Throughout this whole section, let me just read one Jeremiah 31, verse 10. He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil, and for the young of the flock and of the herd, and their soul shall be as a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them, and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Judah shall be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. What a comfort to us. Because these same gracious promises come to us when we are facing great sufferings in our lives. When we are facing severe chastenings in this life. When we miss the mark by our sin and suffer the consequences of our sins. When our enemies rise up around us, and seem to triumph, and seem about to pounce and to carry us away, when our hearts feel overwhelmed with fear and anxiety, then the Lord promises, in the days of Christ, you shall dwell safely, and you shall be saved. The word safety means security, quietness, peace, rest. Jerusalem will dwell in perfect security and safety. God kept those promises in a small way already in the Old Testament when by raising up Someone from the line of David by the name of Zerubbabel. He led his people out of Babylon back to Jerusalem. And he restored them to the land of promise. And they rebuilt the walls and the houses and the buildings. And they had joy and rejoicing once again. But that could not be the full fulfillment of the text. Because Zerubbabel was not the branch of righteousness. The fulfillment awaited the coming of Jesus. And when Jesus came, the true branch, Judah was saved from all her sins and all her iniquities through his blood on the cross. Judah, the church, the elect people were saved from all of our enemies, saved from the devil and the world and all the ungodly, By his death on the cross, we were saved from the wrath of the judgment of God that we deserve on the cross. And now, throughout this present age, the exalted branch bestows that salvation upon us by faith. So that we experience it and we enjoy it in our lives. But the complete fulfillment awaits the future. The fullness of our text, which is one of the beautiful things about the prophets, they always keep pointing you forward, forward, forward. And the ultimate fulfillment always awaits the future. God promises to us through the text, when the branch of righteousness comes again, then you will dwell safely Then Judah shall be saved. In that great day of days, when our Lord Jesus comes again, we will be saved once and for all with all of the riches of salvation, no longer able to be harmed or attacked by any of our enemies, no longer able to fall into sin, but able to walk in perfect righteousness in the paradise that is to come. Jerusalem Not that old city that was burned down and built again and burned down and built again. Not the physical Jerusalem. The spiritual Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. Revelation 21, which will come down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. The church of all ages will dwell in safety in the new heaven and the new earth. And that paradise that will never end, there we will dwell and bask in the presence of the branch, the glorified King. We will dwell in perfect safety, security, peace, world without end. Jeremiah 33, verse 11. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom, Christ, and the voice of the bride, the church, and the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Our Father, we give thee thanks for the glorious prophecies of old and the glorious fulfillment and the glorious hope Thou dost give to us as believers. We thank Thee for the gift of elders to reign over us under Christ. We thank Thee for men who know themselves to be lowly servants. And we pray that Thou would continue to grant unto our elders lowliness of mind and a servant's heart, boldness to rule and to govern, to uphold judgment and justice in the church, and to do so in love for thy people and for thee.